Welcome to WFUV's What's What. It's Monday, September 25th. What's What is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news, and hot topic issues in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV. I'm Jay Doherty. And I'm Isabel Danzis. Here are today's headlines. Starting today, you can order up to four COVID tests for free. That's because the U.S. government is relaunching a program to provide free COVID home tests to Americans. Simply visit covidtest.gov and tell them how many tests you and your family require. Since the beginning of the pandemic, the U.S. government has shipped more than 750 million free COVID tests to Americans who requested them through the website. But the program was suspended in May after COVID-19 was no longer considered a public health emergency. Now, pandemic-related illnesses are back on the rise. That's right, Jay. COVID hospitalizations are now triple what they were two months ago. And the program's relaunch is in response to rising COVID cases in recent months. Although cases are rising, the virus itself is less deadly. The tests are intended for use through the end of this year. It looks like some of our favorite TV shows might be coming back soon. We have WFUV's Emma Murphy here to tell us more about the tentative deal that could end the writer's strike. So, Emma, this strike has been going on for a pretty long time. Uh, So what allowed them to come to an agreement? Yeah, it was a 146-day strike, definitely one of Hollywood's longest. After five days of negotiation, it looks like the writers will probably get most of what they want. They'll get an increase in royalty payments from streaming services and also receive some protections against the potential impacts of AI on their careers. This all sounds like good news for the writers, but how does this impact the actors that are also currently striking? Well, it doesn't really. This could give them some inspiration for how to negotiate, but actors have some bigger demands, so it'll probably take some more time to resolve. So with writers returning to work, but not actors, what does this mean for TV and movie watchers? The writers still have to approve the deal, but if they do, some things could return to normal pretty quickly, like talk shows. But unfortunately, without actors, movies and TVs still won't be back for a while. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. No problem. Lifeguards, EMTs, and NYPD officers who rescued a New Yorker from a shark attack are getting their pat on the back from Mayor Eric Adams. This summer was the first time in 70 years someone at Rockaway Beach was bitten by a shark. The shark reportedly chomped on the 65-year-old woman's thigh while she was swimming in the waters off Rockaway Beach. Lifeguards helped pull the woman from the water, and cops at the beach tied a tourniquet above the deep gash to help with bleeding. EMS brought the victim to the hospital, and she made a full recovery. If you're walking to the one train through the subway tunnel on 191st Street in Manhattan this week, you may notice some fresh painted designs. That's right. The Department of Transportation commissioned local graffiti artists to paint the popular tunnel with tributes to the local Dominican community. Artists chose to feature things like Dominican food, dance, and culture. The tunnel has always been a popular spot for graffiti artists, until last year when the city painted over it all. Members of the community were upset by the paint job, saying the city was erasing their culture. And now, many people are happy to see the colorful paint back on the tunnel's walls. The city has set aside $30 million to start a tunnel renovation project in 2025. Every month, the What's What podcast brings you Fordham Conversations. In this month's installment, I sat down with author and journalist Raj Tani about his new book, Colorful Palette. We discussed the importance of food and culture in Tani's childhood, growing up in an Indian, Italian, and Puerto Rican family. Could you just maybe start by giving the audience a brief description or a brief synopsis of what a colorful palette is? 
Yeah, Colorful Palette is a memoir. Um, it's about my life in New York and growing up with these three very distinct, beautiful cultures and, um, and how special uh, it was uh, and how closely knit my family was growing up and how food connected us, while at the same time also exploring the pains and the difficulty uh, that I experienced growing up uh, as a multiracial American. Why is food a good mechanism to talk about these topics that sometimes can be a little bit more difficult? Food is a great gateway into understanding a person's culture because everyone has to eat. And sometimes that food can be intimidating if you don't if you aren't uh, familiar with it. But if someone is personally offering something that they created, um, it's kind of like a olive branch, sort of speak, of allowing people to enter your culture and experience it, it firsthand. And then the goal is that someone can get to know another person in their culture easier through food. Maybe for families who are multicultural or have a lot of different identities within them, why is food specifically important for those types of people? Food is something that's carried over from someone's country of origin or cultural background and it's something that's passed down as kind of like a family heirloom. So for me, food in my family was so special because it wasn't just what we were eating is that each meal told a story. Each meal had a story behind it. If my Puerto Rican and Italian mother is cooking Indian food, it took me a long time to figure out why was she cooking it? Well, there was a whole journey as to how she married my father and and all of the... Um, the kind of the plight that it took her to not only learn the dish, but gain acceptance in the Indian community through that food. Why is it important to share stories like these of people who come to the U.S. and maybe, you know, as you say, have a melting pot family? I think it's important to share these stories because a lot of the people I grew up around in New York were never just one thing. You know, we were we all come from somewhere and we all come at this point in American history, come from many places. So even though people aren't necessarily the three cultural backgrounds that I am, I hope what I'm bringing to the table is to say that it's, o it's okay that things aren't neat and perfect. We're not just people who can easily be shoved into one category. Could you talk a little bit about the experience of actually writing this book? What was it kind of like looking back at memories and food and connecting them? It was really emotionally taxing. Uh, I loved revisiting those stories and kind of taking a time machine back into my childhood home and in my grandmother's apartment in the Bronx. But it was also very painful because I feel like I'm just perpetually melancholy for those days as a child and standing by the stove and cooking with my grandma and my mom. And even though it was a very confusing childhood and it was complicated, you know, as you'll read in the book, I think that Every time I wrote and sat down to work on a chapter or a recipe, I, I felt drained afterward because of how much I miss it. That was my co-host Isabel Danzis talking to Raj Tani about his memoir, Colorful Palette, which comes out on October 3rd. And on this day in 1990, Dave Grohl left his first band Scream to join the alt-rock band Nirvana. When Grohl auditioned for Nirvana as a drummer, he was immediately accepted. Nirvana's 1991 album, Nevermind, was the first to feature Grohl. 
Following lead singer Kurt Cobain's death in 1994, Nirvana split up, and Grohl went on to form the Foo Fighters. And that's our show for today. But check back with us tomorrow at 3 o'clock for more news, music, culture, and sports. And tell your friends so they can find WFUV's What's What at WFUVnews.org and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm Jay Doherty. And I'm Isabel Danzis. And that's What's What.